this past week, I went to the rodeo. Now, I'm not from Texas, so my experience was enlightening, to say the least. Learned a lot about South Texas culture because there really are few places in the world where you can go and milk a cow, lasso a fake calf, watch a four-year-old ride a wild sheep in front of 15,000 people and listen to Alan Jackson all in the same afternoon. But my favorite part of the rodeo had to have been the bull riding. At one point, the announcer referred to the bull riding as the ultimate test of perseverance. And I think that's true because when you're riding a bull, all you're trying to do is just hang on, persevere. And I think that's where we pick up in the life of Jeremiah this morning. Just one sentence from Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 3. For 23 years, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Bucked around for 23 years, just trying to persevere. That's where we pick up with Jeremiah. And interestingly enough, when the Bible talks about perseverance, it does so using an athletic Metaphor, But since there were no rodeos back then, the writers of Scripture came up with a way to understand perseverance uh, that you know, that Floridians like myself know, that everybody knows. And it is this. Perseverance is described as running a race. Hebrews 12.1, let us run with perseverance the race mapped out for us. That's the way that perseverance in scripture is described but as you and i know and as jeremiah knows often when you're running the race or trying to live out the passion god has called you to in life you run right up close to burnout but god desires for us to persevere to keep running the race or as the apostle paul would say in his letter to corinth to run in such a way that we get the prize So this past week, I thought to myself, if I wanted to live out my passion so that I never burn out, so that I never quit running the race, what would I have to bring with me to run that race well? Well, I think the secret lies in what I might take with me in my gym bag. For starters, I would take with me a compass. Because I'd want to be reminded of where God is calling me to live out my passion. But the catch is, I'd probably leave my map at home. Proverbs 16.9, humans in their hearts plan their course, but God plans their steps. You know, and many times in my life I've tried to map quest God, but it rarely ever works. But what I have had is my compass. I know God's direction. And I think the surest, surest way to burn out with your passion is to tell God your plans for how you're going to get to the finish line. So I'd leave my map at home, but I would take my compass. Let me give you a couple examples of what I mean by this. Some days ago, I talked to an eye doctor whose God-given passion was to help, is, still is, to help people see. And what he told me is that when he was in medical school, he didn't learn any of the procedures he does today for laser eye surgery. In fact, he said, had I insisted 
on doing the procedures like I had always planned, I would have burnt out a decade ago because when I was in medical school, I couldn't even dream of the high-tech laser stuff we do today. You see, that eye doctor, he had the compass. He knew his passion to help people see. But what he did not have was a map. He didn't have the step-by-step details to get there. He trusted in his compass. God took care of the map. Or take, for example, Jack Canfield, whose passion is to help people with low self-esteem. And some years back, he wrote a bunch of children's books, uh, trying to, uh, what he thought would be great, and helping children with low self-esteem. And he sent his uh, manuscripts off to publishers, and he received letter after letter of rejection. But Canfield had that compass. Even though his map didn't work, he decided that instead what he would do would be write for an audience that was much wider. You ever heard of the Chicken Soup series? Seven New York Times bestsellers. You see, he didn't have a map, but what he had was a compass. He knew the direction so that he didn't burn out. He had that compass. So that's one thing I'd bring with me on the race. I think I'd also bring with me a watch. Because if your passion really is a God-given passion, it's probably going to take some time. As we learned about Jeremiah today, 23 years Jeremiah preached without anyone listening. Noah, Moses, a God-given passion takes time. It's not microwavable. You won't see the results of your passion overnight. can't tell you how many times I hear stories about people whose passion burns out because of unrealistic expectations about timing, as if timing is just a mouse click or a pill away. So what I'd leave behind is my steroids, because I wouldn't want to take any shortcuts on the race and pursuing my passion. Instead, I'd take a watch because it's going to take time. Some years back, uh, researchers did a really cruel study up at Princeton Seminary. And what they did is they gathered together a bunch of students uh, in a building and met with them at 10-minute intervals and then asked the students to walk across campus to another building and give a devotional there. The experimenters pre-selected the scripture. They gave half the students the scripture about the Good Samaritan and the other half some other scripture. But what they didn't tell the students was that the experiment had nothing to do with the devotional. What the experimenters did is on the sidewalk between the building where they met with the students and the building where the students would give the devotional, they planted a homeless man there who was noticeably hurting and in need of medical assistance. Well, as you might imagine, the students who had the scripture about the Good Samaritan were a little bit more likely to stop and help the homeless man than were the students with some other scripture. But then the experimenters introduced another variable. For those students who had to give a devotional about the Good Samaritan, they told half of them, well, you can take your time getting over there because they're running a little late in the other building. And they told the other half of the students, you might want to hurry up because they're expecting you any minute. And do you know that 70% of the students who had time to spare stopped to help that hurting person along the way? Less than 10% of the students in a hurry stopped. In fact, the researchers ironically recalled some of the rushed students tripping over the homeless man as they rushed to give a devotional about the Good Samaritan. Yikes! 
You see, if you stay so focused on the finish line and whatever the quickest shortcuts are to get there, your passion may just pass you by. So I'd bring a watch. I would bring a watch because God is not going to overnight the results. Now then, I'd also bring with me a good pair of Under Armour. Something to soak up the sweat. Because along the way, if you have a God-given passion, you are bound to fail. It's just a fact of life. We talked last week about how Jeremiah just failed in the eyes of the world. But so I bring a good pair of Under Armour because I know that I'm going to get into some failure. Time Magazine did a study some years ago of some plant workers who were laid off about four times over the course of their lifetime. And what Time figured out was that these plant workers actually had an advantage in finding a new job because they had already failed before, unlike some of the people who had only been laid off once in their life. The purpose of failure is not to burn us out then, but to burn us on. That being said, though, I would also, if failure is inevitable, bring a good set of headphones. Because if I'm going to live out my God-given passion, I'm going to hear some boos along the way. I think it's just a rule of thumb. People will try and take you down whenever you have a God-given passion. As Peter Steinke once said, you know, anytime you're doing your best work for God, people are bound to say things that discourage you. You ever been there? Why do you set up chairs on Sunday morning? That's the church's job. Or why do you go out to volunteer at that school south of town? It's dangerous there. Or why do you want to help that person at work? She's weird. You ever been there? People will try to discourage you en route to your passion. My grandfather likes to tell the story of a business executive named Fred Smith. And Fred Smith called him one day and asked my grandfather to invest in his new business idea. Uh, Fred Smith, while he was in the armed services, uh, recalled that it took a long time for packages to be delivered. So Fred Smith's God-given passion was to create a shipping company that could uh, take packages from point A to point B, uh, fragile materials and medicines especially, uh, that would help people uh, ship their passages, packages more quickly. So he told my grandfather that the perfect headquarters for his God-given passion would be a centralized location like Memphis, Tennessee, Flights coming in and out of Memphis International Airport all day long to about 250 locations all over the globe. And my grandfather told him, that is the silliest idea I have ever heard. That will never work. And so you can imagine the smile on my grandfather's face when he opens up a package from Fred's company, Federal Express. You see, Fred, he knew when to put the headphones on. The failure was coming, but when he ran the race to avoid the burnout, he had a good set of headphones. That being said, though, there's going to be some discouragers, but also along the way, I think there's going to be people who will encourage you. And I would bring those people. I got some pictures of them in my life, so I'd take them with me on my race. I'd want people to be able to encourage me as I go along. You may remember the story of, um, uh, of the Olympic runner in 1992, Derek Redmond in the Barcelona Olympics. And he was running a race, 400-meter uh, triathlon, and he pulled a hamstring. 
And so his dad came running out of the stands and carried Derek over the finish line. And you know, that's who I want to race with me. People who will carry me over the finish line. You know people like that? You know that teacher who I gave you a D but believed in you. That person in your small group who invites you out to encourage you. My parents who helped me persevere even in my worst moments. That preacher who used to call me in seminary when the only thing keeping me there was my Duke basketball tickets. Those are the types of people that I would want to be on the race with me. People who are going to encourage my passion. And then finally, I think if I was going to run this race and persevere with my passion, I would bring some Gatorade because I'd want to take a break along the way. God did. God did. You know, Dorothy Bass in her book about the Sabbath says that, you know, today the boundaries for our passions are less clear. Because back when there used to be day and then there used to be night. But now, says Bass, because of the artificial light of cell phones and internet and beepers and blackberries, the the boundaries for our passions are no longer clear. So I'd want to take a break and replenish. And if you have a passion that you can't take a break from and replenish, then may I suggest to you that that's not a passion. That's an obsession. And what God calls us to do is every now and then take a break because you never know how long God might keep you running. Close with a story. Uh, about a woman I visited this week, the oldest woman in San Antonio, 106 years old. She lives over at the University of the Incarnate Word retirement home. And I asked her, you know, how do you stay alive? How do you keep going? And she said, well, you know, the priest over here asked me that same question. And she said, what I do at night is I get down on my knees and I pray to God. I say, God, when it is time, take me home. But until then, Keep me useful. And then she told me that every morning she goes through her lists of children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and friends and writes one letter. And it may take her a couple hours, but she writes that letter. And as I talked to that 106-year-old woman, I said, you know, that's somebody who has run the race well. That's somebody who's persevered in her life. That's Perseverance. 